Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are listening to Love Lines with Pete and Nice, nice. Huh? I just decided yeah. to go for it. Just go right I for like it. it. <laughs> for those of you that grew up around here, man, Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, K-Rock, K-R-O-Q. Yeah, and there was, we had love lines up in uh, San Francisco. Of course, I mean, it's San Francisco. That could mean just about anything up there. But um, well, yeah, that that <clears throat> moving on, uh, that show went nationwide, didn't it? That was actually a didn't that become a national broadcast? I don't know. I don't know. I've never I've never really lived anywhere else. That's part of my misery in life. That's that's my cross to bear. Hey, we were almost broadcast in Michigan before we talked them out of it. See, there are other people that want to get big. And, you know, let, let's just lay this down. Pete and I have never made it our goal to make ourselves big. We're not the Tower of Babel. Doesn't apply to churches. Doesn't apply to ministries. I do. Pete and I have a good time. That's I, it. I would like to say that I would like to make myself big, but we're talking about the guns, baby. <laughs> hey, if you've been with this podcast for the last seven and a half years, you know, we've moved through underwear, underoos in particular, Sealand, oh. um, the Charger, Pete's gun habit, and now we're Serious gun habit, I should say. Serious gun habit. I, I almost sent you a uh, clip last... Oh, no, I did send it with all the uh, Apache helicopters blowing a mountain up. I haven't I seen figured, it yet. I uh, saw that you sent it, but I haven't seen it for yet. you. Yeah, yeah. They, I think. <laughs> you were trying to cheer me up. <laughs> I was. It's exactly what I was doing. I'm like, oh, this will make Pete happy. Here's oh, that's so like funny. 10 Apache helicopters blowing up a mountain. 
He'll like that. That'll, that's exa- I kid you not. That's exactly what I was doing. Oh, dude, that's so well, tell, funny. Tell us, man. You've had a you've had a rough night. Tell us. Uh, <laughs> dude, I know no. you're a karate man. You don't bruise on the outside. But. You know, yeah. So those who follow me on Facebook and Insta, by the way, all my topless photos are on Instagram for those who want those. <laughs> oh, I don't have Instagram specifically. I was just talking to the wife about this. I'm like, I don't even want to see stuff like, you know, like. It, butts and boobs hanging out everywhere. Not my thing, but that's if not, it was well, if it was your butt and your boobs, I I would I would join Instagram just for that. It's a function of who you follow, or you can follow certain hashtags. So I've had to unfollow certain workout hashtags because yeah. all it is is hot chicks going oh oh, and I'm like no, nah, I don't need that in my life, man. So no. that's out. Nope. But um, yeah, no. So those who who follow me on Facebook and and Instagram, uh, I've received just tons of condolences because we had to put our our dog down yesterday. My uh, my pit bull Ricky. We've had her for we think twelve years. We think that's how long it was. So for those of you who are old school, you'll know what this means. We had two dogs, Lucy and Ricky. I'm hoping people will recognize where those names are coming from. Hey, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I realize no millennial has any idea yeah. what we're talking yeah. about. But, you know. I us, used to call Ricky a boy. And you're like, Ricky was a girl. Well, well, because. Like yeah. Ricky Lake. It was spelled like well, a, and no millennial knows who Ricky. Go, Ricky. Go, Ricky. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody knows who that is. Yeah. No. So what happened was when we got Lucy, Lucy was my dog, my lab Husky, we had already had my wife's dog that she had from before we got married. And when we finally bought our first house in 2005, we took Carmel with us. He'd been at her parents' house and, um, he was just a little Cocker Spaniel. And I mean, you know, Cocker Spaniels are awesome. They're cool. They're, I mean, I had a Cocker Spaniel growing up. They're like, you know, they're, they're the, the family dog. I always wanted a big dog and my mom would never let me get one. Right. She's like, no, we got a Cocker Spaniel. That's what we do. We do Cockers. So when we moved into our, our house in 2005, we uh, went by the, the rescue shelter. I think it was at a Petco. I think they were showing what up. What city Petco. was this in? We were living in Bellflower and I think it was Lakewood is where the okay. Petco was or Pet Mart or whatever it is. And it was a rescue shelter. Right. And they had the cutest little lab husky. And I was like, she's mine. That's my girl right there. So we're trying to come up with the name, you know, because you always try and name your dog, right? And it was like, lucky. And then one time I just accidentally said Lucy. And my wife and I were like, that's the name right there. We got Lucy. Yeah. So then um, in 2006, we moved into the house we live in now. And we were like, ah, I think we want another dog. And Jamie's like, yeah, I want another dog. Because Carmel was getting kind of old at this point. Yeah. So, again, we saw another <laughs> we saw another rescue uh, shelter was at one of the PetSmart, Petco things. Yeah. And they were going to be out there two days in a row. And we saw this cute, cutest little pit bull, puppy mm. little pit bull. They're and, adorable, man. Oh, dude, just hands down. My pit bull, Ricky, was the best dog I've ever had. Like, Lucy was my girl, but Ricky was the best dog because Aww. 
the way she looked, the way she barked, she scared everybody who wasn't a part of the house. Yeah. And I was cool with that. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, you want your Ricky dog was a to working be, dog. Yeah. And, uh, but yet totally loyal. She never bit anyone though. Yeah. If you were riding a bike, man, it was on. She just, yeah. <laughs> something about the bike. <laughs> she and would if you go were a toy, no star Wars figure ever made it past your dogs. Right. Was that just one of them? Or We've them? got, she's got two holes in the backyard that are filled with toys. And I'm finding like the Alexa plugs that you, you know, use. Are to plug you it. serious? Dude, if it's on the ground, she thought it was hers and she just go she take took it. it? And, yeah. She bury it. Cause yeah. I remember you'd be like, I, I'd be like, Hey, uh, when Luke gets rid of his toys, throw them over to me. Right. Cause I don't have boys and those are cool. And you're like, ah, uh, dude, you don't want them because they're usually in pieces and big dog logs, man. Like they're in poop. My right. dog chews them up, eats them and poops them out. Right. I don't think you want them. What was funny is uh, Lucy, for some reason, she started eating a blanket. <laughs> and so when she pooped, she pooped nunchucks, man. I kid you what? not. It was like it was like poop on one end, poop on the other, and a little blanket in between. I'm like, it's nunchucks. So, so there welcome are to the Church Planner podcast. There are people listening right now. They're like, oh, ooh, Dookie, ooh, and and they're totally grossed out. Now you got to understand. For, for I don't understand you people. Number one, right? You do it every day. It's not like you know it doesn't come out of your body. But number two. I'm a nurse, so I have a very high tolerance for what I can handle. I've seen way too much, and as a firefighter, which was even grosser. So I've, I've grosser than gross. I'm sorry. It, it, there's no, there's no longer any barometer for me. So, um, so anyway, you know, a couple of years ago, Wayne, who was working in my office, he was my assistant. He was like, "Look, man, Lucy's really not doing that well." Like I you might need to take her to the vet. And I think what he was really saying is, I think it's time to put her down. And like, I couldn't see it because that was my girl. Right. So I take her to the vet and they like do an ultrasound or I don't know what they did. Right. And they're like, look, uh, if we do this surgery and she lives through it, she probably has six more months. If we don't do the surgery, then she's got probably three months. And I'm like, that's not fair to the dog. Mm. And first of all, I, I'm not going to do this crazy surgery that she could die in anyway. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. I'm so with you, man. I, I, I don't see that stuff. But mind you, this is a guy that spent almost $1,500 on my dog this week who probably just ate mushrooms and got a tummy ache. Are you serious? $1,500? Mm. Yeah, we had Dude. to take her to the dog hospital. I, not that would not be, the vet. That would be put her down time. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. No, dude, but that that's the thing is I got this puppy and all of a sudden she was not okay. She was barfing. There's blood and everything. I'm uh, like, oh, she's girl. not. She was suffering, dude. So we took her in and we think she got poisoned by a mushroom, but they, they couldn't tell. It was 1500 bucks later, run all these tests, trying to figure out. They hooked her up. They probably saved her by hooking her up on an IV. I okay. mean, realistically, she needed an IV. She was at that. But wow. 1500 bucks. I'm in the wrong business, Pete. I know, right? Yeah. I, I can give, uh, you know, fluid saline solution to a dog. I can even do a, uh, IVs. I can insert those. Yeah. I was trained to do all that. Come on. Wrong business. Yeah. Set up a dog hospital in my backyard. Well, when, when Lucy died, like I, I was a wreck. Like, so, you know, I'm talking to the, the vet and I'm like, 
no, look, this isn't fair. I got kids at home. Like I can't let them watch the dog suffer for three months. I'm like, you got to put her down. You just, you got to take care of it. And I could not be in the room for it. Right. I was like, I can't handle this. I remember I came, I probably called you, right? (laughs) You were trying to console me. You remember this? No. <laughs> I totally remember this. Was I telling you you'll see your dog in heaven? No, you were trying to console me and you're like, yeah, da da da. I remember when I lost my cat and I was like, I can't oh, even be in this apartment yes. anymore. And then I'm literally just been bawling on the whole phone call. And I go, it's a cat. <laughs> Like, like, what are you talking about? That ain't even in the same ballpark as a dog. It was great. But then we started laughing. Okay, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished right there. Oh, oh that was gosh. funny. Yeah, you go, no, but you, you go like this. Yeah, but it was a cat. But it was a cat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is friendship, man. Oh, this absolutely. is how you get through the pain in life. Was that, was that the time where we started sending the hang in there? pictures do ever, I don't remember when we started sending so you Hang guys there, kitty <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so so <clears throat> we send each other you know those old pictures you know hang in there kitty and it's a cat hanging on to like the top of a basket or something like that only we send them to each other and it's <laughs> like the best one was a cat whose head and shoulders were stuck in the top of a garage door and the body's just hanging out. Yeah, Pete and I, oh, can you imagine last night if I sent you a, a twisted hang in there kitty meme? Oh my gosh, that would have been awesome. That yeah, would have been perfect. For, I went for Apache helicopters, you know, and it was the hang in there kitty meme that was needed. Oh, dude, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, no, what happened with Ricky is, I mean, she was old. She was 12 years old. She was blind. She was deaf. Um, I knew she was starting to to go. Like, about seven months ago, she wasn't eating. She was getting skinny. And I was like, I think I have maybe a month more with her. Mm. And we changed her food. And she perked up. She put weight back on and she was good. So I think we got an extra six months out of her oh, like cool. changing up her diet. And then last Friday she stopped eating. I mean, she hadn't eaten since Friday and you know, on dogs, that's not good. Right. They just start no. wasting away. And, and like, you couldn't like, I knew she was hurting, but she wasn't crying, but I could see her shaking every once in a while. And I'm like, dude, she's in pain. And so like, even when I took her to the vet, the uh, the floor or the the hospital the floor is cement and she could barely walk on it because really? she just didn't have the strength in her hind legs and Aww. i'm thinking she had all kinds of arthritis cuz remember i have right now i got 15 foot fences in my backyard cuz she could jump them when they were 12 yeah. and i'm like yeah she probably got arthritis from all oh, of that yeah. her front legs she couldn't hold herself up and Aww. and and I was like, okay, this is the right move. I'm making Dude, the right so call sad, here. that's so sad, man. Because I it remember is. those dogs, man. They were awesome. They used to like slobber the crap out of me when I come over. I'd be like covering saliva. I was just glad they weren't eating me because they were ferocious. I come to your door, dude, and I'd be like, holy crap. Right. They would scare you. And that's yeah. what I wanted out of my dogs. I mean, great yeah. dogs. But if you weren't part of the family, yeah, they let you know who was boss. So I got a Doberman. 
And it's really funny about Dobermans. Um, she's a puppy. Right now, she's 14 weeks, and she's already the size of Roxy. She's wow. going to be a big girl. She's going to be about 100 pounds. Wow. Um, Dad was about 110. Mom was about 90. So we're thinking somewhere in the middle there, right? But, um, but what's amazing about a Doberman is they were bred for strength and brains. So what happens with the Doberman is pretty much during the day, they're super cautious and they'll watch. If something triggers them, boom, they're gone. But pretty much during the day, packages, things like that are okay. But at night, nobody but the family comes on the property. Nobody comes in the house. It's something about instinct, their instinct. And this guy was telling me, this guy with the long-term Adobe owner, he goes, we said, oh, we're a little bit concerned. He goes, wait till the nighttime. And sure enough, that's what's happening. Really? At nighttime. Yeah, dude. If, if anyone's even walking down the street outside her gate, rawr, 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 you know, she lets them know. Mm-mm. So... It's kind of cool. It's funny. We need a that's, guard dog. That's the, yeah. And that's what you want. Like dogs scare people more than mm-hmm. alarms do. And I mean, that's, that's a good thing. I, so Dobermans, uh, do you know, Dobermans were started by a tax collector. He bred, he bred dogs as a hobby really? and he was going around doing collections and he got beaten up so much that he was like, I need a dog. Cause you know, they bred them from, um, I didn't know this. I thought that, um, Oh, shoot, Rottweilers, Rotties. I thought those came from Dobermans the other way around. He bred the Doberman, but he he bred it with a smart dog so that they'd be very switched on and still have some of that strength. But that was his deal. He's like, I need a dog that knows when not to attack and when to attack. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we, I put her down and, and I, was it I, just you or was it you and Jamie? Obviously the kids. No, it was just me. It was just me. And yeah, that sucks, dude. This time I actually told Jamie what was going right. on because oh. the, with her dog, <clears throat> Carmel, I was just like, she went to work because I knew she couldn't deal it with it. She went to work and I took him in. And so when she got home, I was like, look, I'm sorry. And because like she knew it needed to be done and she wasn't going to do it. And, um, Lucy, I think we both just didn't see that one coming. And then Ricky, I just was giving her the heads up. I'm like, look in the next day or so, I'm going to have to take care of this. Cause it's not right to let her suffer. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, we took care of it and then you know, I'm kid you not, man. I'm thinking, cause you were asking me, are we going to get another puppy? And I'm like, look, man, November's coming up. I don't know what's going to happen in the world in November. I might have to get the heck out of Orange County, shoot my way out of California because the riots could be out of control. I'm like, you want Adobe? I, I don't want a dog. I don't want another animal to be responsible for if I got to get the heck out of Dodge, they, man. They, they SWAT teams use Dobermans and the Germans use them in World War II. So, and the Allies use them, but they, they didn't use them in a good way. But Dobermans, that's what you want for the bugaloo, my friend. What, what do you mean the allies use them, but not in a good way? They used them. They strapped bombs to the bottom of them and blew up tanks. Oh, yeah. It was kind of bad. Yeah, that is. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it sucks, but it's part of, part of like, you know, so I come back from the hospital and so I'm like, did you tell the kids what's going on? And James like, no. I'm like, okay. So I go in the room where they're both are at and I'm like, guys, I, I took Ricky to the vet. The vet looked at Ricky and then 
the vet, you know, said, Hey, I think we need to put the dog to sleep. And they're like, what does that mean? I go, well, that means they, they put the dog to sleep and then they put something in the dog to make the dog's heart stops. So that way it can die peacefully and not suffer anymore. And I swear to you, Luke kind of gets a grin and starts to smile because he's thinking, oh, good. I don't have to clean up dog poop anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> No way. Are you serious? He kind of like looks down and I'm like, huh, huh, kid. All right. All right. I see what's going on here. <laughs> That's rad. But my kids never really liked the dogs. Okay. So, I mean, I didn't think they were going to have a hard time with it now sure. luke last night i don't know he was crying oh i miss ricky blah 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 oh, okay, she never even petted ricky so i don't i don't know if you really did miss it's it. still a companion though and a peaceful presence maybe, i mean dogs maybe. dogs have that and and for a kid that's part of her environment yeah you know his and her like i don't know why i said her um but you know a dog is a part of a kid's environment it's right. stability to them so when that's gone it's it's a little shocking yeah you know, like Gigi. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. Didn't I was just going to say, there. that's going to be a rough one in the house. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a podcast about Gigi too when that time comes. That'll be a rough one. But yeah. yeah. So sorry, Gigi's guys. It's not rad. something fun to talk about in Smack Talk. It's just. The- dude, your kids have the best grandparents. I mean, you're, you're oh, you know, yeah. they really do. There's, they're. They got a good thing going. Dude, I got into Their trouble. dad, mm, not so much, but you know. I got into trouble with Gigi last week. What'd you do? Gigi's cool. Like, Gigi never gets mad. What'd you do? First time Uh-oh. I've ever raised my voice to her. Oh. oh I mean, oh. I've been married near Politics? 21 years. Politics? No. no. Oh, okay. Though we, we do disagree on politics because I am a massive conservative. She muzzle means- flash you? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Anyway, so no, what happened was she has the spiritual gift of giving. Like she is a giver. Unfortunately, newbreednetwork.org forward slash give. Are you listening, Gigi? Sorry. She is uh, at this point way overdoing it. And my kids are so spoiled. They literally won't lift a thing, a finger around the house. They won't do a thing. They won't do any chores. There's no reason for them to do chores. They don't care about not getting an allowance. My son has gotten an allowance like once in the last three months. He's like, what do I care? Gigi buys me $20, $50 worth of gift certificates every week. And and so last week, they come into my office. They're like, oh, we're going to the store. Uh, we're going to go buy something. I'm like, no, that's it. Because I've been telling Jamie, hey, we got to tell her to stop buying them stuff. And so I like, I'm like, just live it at this point because it's still going on. So I go outside to where she is. I'm, I go, look, I know your heart's in the right spot, but you have got to stop buying them stuff. We can't get them to lift a finger around the house. And then she goes, well, I'm not buying him anything. This is money that Nancy gave him. I'm like, no, it's the same thing. Like, no, we can't do this anymore. So, yeah, it, she, wow. she she got really upset. She didn't stick around for dinner. She, you know, because it just, yeah. Did you make it right? No, we just, we did the American <laughs> thing. We just didn't talk about it. And now it's done. I said what needed to be said. And as long as she don't buy him anything, it's good. She starts buying him stuff again, it's on. 
You know, to continue my World War II theme, this is going to be like the underground French resistance where like there's going to be like toys getting smuggled into your house now, you know, uh, ball bearings, you know, taken out of things. I'm just saying. Yeah. The resistance yeah. is one begun. thing you learn as a parent uh, when your kid comes to you and says, oh, it won't make noise anymore. Oh, sorry. It's dead forever. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you learn. I ain't putting a battery in that th- uh-huh. sucker again. It's uh-huh. done. It's over. Dude. My, so you, you have one girl. I have two girls. The amount of crap that these girls accumulate. I don't know. I don't have a point of reference for boys. But girls, they like these little like surprise boxes that you open up. And there's like confetti shoots out. We had to tell the babysitter. Uh, no, if they're good, they get one of these every week. We had to tell her the ones with confetti are out, like no more of those. And, uh, yeah, but then they fight over them. Like it'll be some little like cutesy, like some little critter made out of like onions and sweetness, or could be a, a jug of milk, you know, cutie surprise. I'm making that up, but they're these little boxes of just junk. And my kids have a million of these things, little pieces. I need a Ricky or a Lucy to eat all this crap and poop it in the garden. That's what I need. I'm telling you, when you start to see that you could rebuild Legos that have been pooped out, I mean, your mind kind of goes, this this could be an interesting design over here. But <laughs> Hey, it's like that coffee, right? Could we produce like valuable Legos, like that coffee where oh, that little right. cat poops it out? Right. What, what could we make, Pete? So maybe we could make like protein powders, like, cause you're into fitness. We could do something. We could like, I don't know, man. Like we need to, we need to buy one of those cats and make stuff out of it. Just have it, just start feeding it stuff. So it poops it out. Oh, Hey, church planners. This is what you need to do for your, this is bivocational. (laughs) Bivocational. By the way, you, you buy a bunch of these little cats, you start a farm in your backyard you uh, feed them whatever you got to feed some coffee berries, I guess, and then have them poop it out. Now that's your, that's your thing at your church is you've got that expensive cat poop coffee that you're just giving away, right? You just, Hey, come drink this coffee. It's not like Jaguars. Like it's not just any old house cat. It's some weird little cat. And, and it, yeah, it's a weird, it's not a cat. It's like some weird thing that lives in the rainforest. And then, um, it's the most expensive coffee in the world. I, I think it's something like, yeah. do I want to say it's like 25 bucks a cup or something? It's crazy. So my buddy has some in Oceanside and I dropped a hint. He's like, yeah, it wasn't that good. And I said, hey, I drink it. I was dropping a hint. He didn't, he didn't pick he up. He didn't offer. He's down. like, no, it's 25 no. bucks a cup. You're He's not a $25 like 15 friend. minutes away. I'd even, I'd even drive to his house 15 minutes away. I would make that sacrifice to drink some of his cat poop coffee. I'd, I'd try it. Yeah. You know, finer things in life and church planning go together. So uh, anyways, well, hey, man, I, I hey, uh, condolences. I think in the title somewhere, it ought to be the one about Ricky. Aww. And, you know, we give her a little shout out, a little honor to her. And then, um, yeah, man. So sorry. Yeah. It sucks. It does. Pets are, pets are special, man. I remember um, going to preach in America. It was weird, man. I had, (laughs) when I first started coming back here, because Peter Jeffrey was like a mentor to me, not only did I have places to preach in Wales, I had places to preach in America when I came back. So I'd go on these old preaching tours. And um, so I would go the string all around like California, kind of up in your neck of the woods, like central California, Bay area. Um, Some of these guys you probably know of, but um, 
I ended up uh, going to this one church where I, I was sitting at the dinner table and um, I was so hardcore reformed. Like you got to understand when you're hardcore reformed, you're like, you're not going to say anything that may not be in the scripture, even to the point of like, if someone goes, if my baby dies, will I see it in heaven? Well, the scripture isn't really clear on that one. You know, like, and I'm, and I'm not making that up. Like that's Wayne Grudem. I sat for a week in Wayne Grudem's systematic, This you're not going to believe me on this, systematic theology retreat. Yeah, he had one. It lasted a week. And every day you, you listen to him lecture on a systematic theory. That's how hardcore reform, like only Dan Sams would know what I'm talking about, right? But they asked that question. And he went, well, you know, theologically speaking, we can't say that the baby of a believer, you know, most people are like, hey, dude, you know, we got that scripture with David where he goes, you know, I'm going to see him. He can't come to me, but I can go to him. Well, that was unique to David's. It's like, dude, stop being stingy with babies of believers that die. That go to, like, I think the one time where that's mentioned in the afterlife, I think God gave us a little bit of hope. Like, don't be stingy, right? Theologically, if you're going to err, err on the side of generosity, err on the side of grace. Anyways, back then I didn't know that. So I'm sitting at this table, totally walk into this. This guy, he says, Peyton. <laughs> whole family's there. What do you think? Does a, when our pets die, is there good hope in the scripture that we see them in heaven again? And I said, well, you know, the Bible's silent on this. And I, I really think that we have to be careful. There's no guarantee the kids start crying. Cause their dog had just died. Yup. Oh, like days before I had come, I'm staying in these people's house. The wife says, you know, Peyton, we were just telling the kids. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so how do you get out of that? Dude. And uh, the guy was so mad at me. No, I got to tell you this. The guy was so mad at me. I, I guess like, you know, they're like, get this guy out of my house. You know, yeah, anyways, I'm preaching for him. This is like the night before. I go to, I've done this like outreach for them, yada, yada. It was that night reading taco salad. I remember it like, like it was one of the worst moments of my life. The next day I preached the gospel. Now, you, you know, I, I can preach the gospel. I'm not saying that in area, but I'm, I'm part, part evangelist. That's part of my makeup. I'm preaching the gospel. This guy gets up. He's obviously still really bitter. Only time I've ever heard somebody say, he goes, you know, Peyton spent all that time telling you uh, what salvation was, and he didn't even tell you how to get it. Wow. I'm not making that up. And I was like, oh, he a little, little bit salty over last night still. I, I, let it, I let it slide, but yeah, that was a very uncomfortable situation I was in. Well, interestingly enough, man, when I read the book, Imagine Heaven by the pastor who interviewed like over a thousand people who've had near-death experiences, both uh, people who've had um, experiences basically where they went to hell. I mean, yeah. which is really, I mean, it's a fascinating book because, yeah. you know, who knows? That's by um, John. Um, Did we yeah. have him on the podcast? I th I know I've interviewed him. He's interviewed me because of my near death experience. 
Oh yeah, he yeah 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 yeah. We had yeah, him on yeah, the yeah. podcast. Yeah, he was great. I, um, he's famous. I don't remember his name, but yeah, 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 that guy's rad. So there, there's a story in there where this kid died and had a near death experience, and she didn't. I, I can't remember it exactly, but what I remember of it, and I could be totally wrong, and have to go back and reread the book, is she didn't really have any friends or family who had died before her. And I felt like she kind of lived in a a loveless home environment and she dies. But what she, so when she went to the, this place um, and I don't want to say it was heaven because I don't know that it was heaven, but her dog was there and like, the, the Jesus figure who was there was like, well, this is how you knew love on earth. You knew love from your dog. So I want you to experience that because there was like no one else to greet her there or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I remember after reading that, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, I wonder what God's plan is when it comes to all of that, you know? So it's funny because my uh-huh. view now is, you know, um, so, Okay. Here's my thought, and this is completely a logical inference and logical conclusion I've drawn, is we know that we're not going to some ethereal place called heaven, right? Um, this place up in the clouds where we're spirit beings and playing harps and wings. But even, even I think, even though we know the cartoon version of heaven isn't real, I think the average person, you, you know I've got a book on all this um, that's partially written. And probably in the next book I'm going to write. Um, it was the first book I ever wrote, actually. I just never finished it. It was the first one I sat down to write back when I was theology boy. And I, we know that, it, but even the Christian's idea of heaven is this spirit world, this spirit dimension that is not biblical, right? When the Bible talks, John says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to earth. So heaven on earth, this place will be renewed. This was always our intended dwelling place, right? So everything will be renewed. The, the earth will be repopulated with us and all the, all the saints who ever lived and um, all the people we didn't like will be our servants. I'm just teasing. That's not true. um that's a lot of servants i'm gonna have (laughs) yes i mean if you wanted to ride saddam hussein around like your personal horse you can do that no i'm teasing but funny enough that's like the underworld of other religions right but in christianity there's none of that bull crap right the the reality is in um in christianity though there's creation and oh my gosh, I ha- I read the most incredible thing about creation that I want to share, which when I was correcting my textbook, remember I was writing a textbook, B? Did you know I was writing a textbook? I, I never heard about it. It's called Church Plantology. We're going to talk about it next week. But here's the thing. Um, I, I, I just think God is so gracious, and this is why it's a logical inference. If there's going to be dogs, if there's going to be tortoises, if there's going to be cats, why wouldn't it be the, the, the pets that I knew and loved on earth? Why, if the new heavens and the new earth are going to be there, why wouldn't it be populated with my 
my, my, my animals that I grew attached to, right? We're, what if we're I want my own velociraptor? God. Do I get to have my own velociraptor? You know, we're, you know we're riding the T-Rex. And then We've what does the velociraptor that. eat? Does he eat your cat and dogs? The velociraptor uh, does not need to eat um, your pets. The velociraptor will be a vegetarian. All It'll things be a vegetarian. were vegetarians before the flood. Now, now, for those that are worried about the sanctity of vegetables and the feelings of plant life, um, even in the new heavens and new earth, that is all sorted. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I have you. I have you seen that clip with the hippies in the woods where they're crying over the trees and they're yeah. like giving these like guttural, primal, ethereal screams on behalf of plant life? So my my daughter's uh, sixth grade teacher is this guy Mr. Greer at her school. And he, because everything was going to be online, he sends them these funniest videos and he sent them these ones. And he said, Hey, we're going to go on a field trip this year and we're going to do this. And he sends them this thing. And it is the funniest thing. These people are out there meditating and praying and crying and screaming and dancing. And I'm like, right away, that was in the first week. I was like, I dig this teacher. This is my kind of teacher right here. She is going to get a lot out of this guy. But, um, but anyways, I, I, I guess you know, hey, 40 minutes in, we, we probably should get to today's topic, which is what should you do uh, right now? I'm talking to a lot of pastors and uh, I'll, uh, I'll wait for the introduction, but let me just say, I'm talking to a lot of pastors, a lot of planners. They're just saying, hey man, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I see guys hustling. I see people drinking more booze. I see, uh, you know, what is a pastor supposed to do Excuse me, I had to burp. At least you muted yourself this time. No, I just I yeah, I self muted the burp like that was a restaurant burp like the you know after but, after four hundred and six episodes you finally started muting yourself during the burps. So my daughters are little barbarians at the table sometimes, and I I'll lecture them like guys you got to use your forks and knives you know blah 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 because they'll pick up asparagus and just chomp 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 and I'll be like what are you guys going to do for your first date? Like you do no, pick up your fork, pick up like I'm that dad. Right. And, and their thing that they bring back and they're, they, they've got mom on their side for this, but dad, you burp at the table. Like, like they're hitting me back with like my, my flaws. And I said, guys, there's a difference. And then they all start laughing and making fun of me. And I go, no, 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 there's a difference. The difference is in a restaurant. I don't do that. And then of course, one of my daughters goes, yes, you do, dad. Remember that time we were at a restaurant and you burped and you thought it was really funny? And I'm like, dang, I'm out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, all right. I, I can't go any further than that. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. There you go. Oh, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was my team, role. Team. Senior Lady Jones. Team. team, baby. Yeah. Team Church Planner Podcast. So uh, anyways, hey, for those of you that are new, we want to give you a shout out. We've noticed that um, our listens have gone up considerably. And we just, you know, other podcasts, they'll say you by name. We're just going to hit you out once. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for being here. That's how we roll. There you go. So what should they be doing during COVID? Well, guys, here's the thing. Um, 
it's really interesting because, uh, you know, some guys are hustling. I was talking with a guy named Russ Cantu. If you're in New Breed, which is a network that I run, you know Russ, A, because he built our website, B, because he puts you in all the training if you need to join it, and C, because he's been giving you free training from his own uh, as, as a, a perk to being a part of New Breed. But here's the thing. Um, Russ, Russ and I were talking yesterday, and um, he was saying, man, now is not the time for uh, guys to be starting new ventures with their church. In mm-hmm. fact, um, you know, this, th- I think if you're, <coughs> if you're looking at people hustling, hustling, hustling around you, starting all kinds of new things, it's because they're desperate. Um, pastors know right now people aren't coming back. And I said this at the very beginning when everyone's like, this is amazing. We, we, you know, we got all these people watching. What was happening is they were watching your church because they weren't going to their own. There was a bunch of church hopping going. And if you had an online thing on Facebook, people were checking it out. And then, but here's what I knew this at the time because hello, Europe. I've been there. This all happened in Europe ages ago with World War One, World War II, where they lost everyone. People don't come back the same. Now, I'm not saying a move of the spirit can't happen. I'm not saying that a revival couldn't happen. I'm not, that's what it would take right now. But people are not coming back. I watched a mega church the other day that normally is huge. And you can see how many people are watching. There were 20 people watching the main service on a Sunday mm. for a mega church of thousands. And we called it in the beginning that here's what's happened guys. And I don't think a lot of people really realize it because we're not honest. It, it For me, every few years I would get out of church leadership. So when you are a serial church planner or ninja planners, I like to call them, um, you plant every few years, then you get out of ministry. There's nothing that gives you perspective on ministry like getting out of it for a time. So being a serial planner, you you come out of the bubble, right? You, you, you're like a fish out of water. You get out and you look back and you go, oh, that was water. Water's wet. And you see the environment outside from an outside perspective. Well, here's the thing. Stepping out of the church, I get to analyze it, right? If I'm not running one, I get to analyze it. Uh, as a, a, a customer, so to speak, uh, a consumer, so to, I know we hate that word, but um, but I just am a guy who goes, and then I get to experience it. Now, here's the weird thing: what I think has happened is that people started going to the online service, and they they it dawned on them what I've been saying for years, and that is, huh, uh, this isn't really doing a lot for me. Mm. I'm literally just an eyeball. Like, and when I go, that's all I was ever asked to do is be an eyeball. So it's like I'm watching on Facebook. There's no fellowship. There's no spiritual interaction. There's no social. I mean, other than the small talk and donuts, right? And, and now understand, that's not church as I think it should be. Right. If you've ever read Church Zero, you know I'm a big proponent of interactive church. That was the thing that we noticed often was people would come to church and be like, I've never been to church like this. And you've wrecked me. You've ruined me for, for normal church. Right. Um, unless you're Pete, because you're like, 
man, whew, pressure's off, right? I <laughs> go back and just sit and watch, right? But but in a sense, it did wreck you because it made you super active in just your everyday life, right? So it, it, here's the thing, though. When you, and I'm only teasing Pete, but here's the thing. When you, um, when you look at it, what people, I think, have realized is that, and this is a harsh truth. People don't want to think about it. People have drawn the conclusion that church didn't add to me as much as I was adding to church. In other words, the church was getting more out of me being there than I was getting out of the church. And that's because it's not interactive. So, and, and again, I know, I know we don't want to hear it. That's a very inconvenient truth, right? It's a very unsettling statement. But the only way that people will come back, and they will come back in smaller numbers, the only way, and, and, and I think trying to entice them with gimmicks and, you know, the hype train, hey, everyone, I get wheat to reopen the doors again on Sunday, and you haven't addressed the problem. All you've done is the same hype. I watched, uh, who's the smiley guy in Texas? Olstein. Olstein. We have missed you so much. Are you kidding me? You missed all like 10,000 people per service? Oh, more than that. Well, it's, it, I think their place holds, is it 10 or 15, something like that? I just read an article. And they're saying if half the people, the capacity, there's multiple services. I think they said like, you know, 4,000 people could be there on 4,000, 5,000, 5, something like that. But um, obviously he's running multiple services. He didn't miss all those people. He didn't miss them personally. They weren't enriching his life, but but like I said, they were adding to the church, right? They were a crowd, right? They only add. Think of a concert, right? If I go see the Deftones, um, the Deftones, I go and see a live show. You know, that's that's pretty special. That's cool, and and the Deftones get a crowd. They get all my money. So what what happens is there's a symbiotic relationship because, but if the Deftones were playing every week and I were going every week to see the Deftones, it, it, it wouldn't be the same, right? I need some more pretty soon. I'd be like, I thought I got the date wrong. I thought I was supposed to go see the Deftones tonight. It's actually September uh, 17th when we're recording this 2021. I printed the tickets out. I told Andrew, Hey, we got to get the babysitter Thursday. Deftones. I forgot they rescheduled. They're playing Thursday night. Got to go to the Greek theater in LA. And Andrea go, you know, I print out the tickets and Andrew's like, okay, I saw your tickets and, and you sure, right? And I, I go and check and I'm like, oh, it's 2021. So it's not, but it, I, you're, you're never that early. Like you're always late for our podcast, but to be a year early, that's actually I kind of I almost showed up. I almost was going to show up. I just barely caught it. Like, and I'm printing out ready to go babysitter. How could you think LA County would let, anyone meet well i was thinking what is it a smaller show are we going to be like six feet apart what are they doing to make this happen this is a, a show that was supposed to be in july and so um anyways all that to say um but i think people now imagine i it was a lot of effort for me just to get and i i almost debated selling the tickets back to Ticketmaster because i was like do i really want to drive all the way to la right now you know, that's a big pain in the butt. And I hate to say it, guys, but if you're not enriching your people, what the church has to do right now is look at 
how do we get people to understand that we are going to add to you? The church will add to you, not just by attending and being an eyeball. And that's why I think Ed Setzer and, um, you know, guys like Alan Hirsch and Brian Sanders and others that have been arguing for years that church is about small groups. Rick Warren, who has a 200% small group church attendance. What that means is twice the number of people that attend on Sunday attend his small groups throughout Orange County. Um, small groups are where it's at. Whether your church is going to put people on mission in small groups or, you know, you guys all know my philosophy. I think they need to be in COGS, which is missional small groups um, that alternate between mission and, um, you know, going deeper into prayer and communion, what have you, because those are the things I see in the scripture. But here's the other thing. What I don't think you need to do right now, church planner, is I don't think you need to be scrambling to, to get a bunch of stuff off the ground. I actually think you need to address the one question I just raised. When we come back, how will it be different? Because now's your chance to hit a reset button. Because you can tell your elders, you can tell your leaders, they're not coming back the same. Unless you're a tight-knit family. If you're a small, tight like I go to a little mini church plant that is not aiming to be big. And I say I'm helping them out, but it's not really true. I mean, I go there. Um, I love them to death. They're amazing. Um, but they're about 20 people on a good day. And if you went to the pastor and you said, hey, man, you know, like he's got a missional heart, but he's a shepherd. If you went to him and said, hey, what's wrong with the church? It's so small. He'd look at you and go, what do you mean what's wrong with it? I don't understand. Right. Because he's like, we're just we're a community, man. Like we're here. We're doing this. He's doing what a shepherd would do. Right. And uh, if God forbid I ever decided to actually properly join the team and ramp things up apostolically, um, that'd be rad. But I, you know, I. I have no desire to be on leadership right now. Um, but but here's the thing. As this is all happening, um, one of the things that I, I, I've, because you look left and right, you look what other guys are doing, and they're all hustling and doing all this and starting this and that. I think that's the wrong move. Mm. I think you address that one problem and you rest. You know, God has handed everybody a sabbatical right now, and you shouldn't feel guilty for resting. Um, if things shift towards a missional community focus, you are going to be busy. In fact, your home is going to be open like never before. Everything will be different. Um, it will require much more of you. You should be, if you're going to do anything, invest in your team and start getting people trained up. If it were me right now, I'd be meeting with my team. I would, if, if I were just a Sunday meet and greet service, I would be gathering my leadership in a small group every week and I would be modeling for them what I want them to do when things open up again so that they hit missional cogs together. So I'd be taking my leadership team out on mission right now. I'd be meeting with them and the rest of the week I'd be resting, right? I'd be spending more time with my kids. I'd be doing things. I'd be taking more days off. I'd be going on prayer walks. In fact, that's the thing I was going to say is I would start out with my team. Like when I say take them on mission, I'd start out on prayer walks every other week with them. And I say, this is what you're going to do with, with your cogs, you know, your missional communities. When we start back up, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be meeting in their house. You're going to be prayer walking with them. You're going to be doing all these different things. Um, and then you start moving into the mission. 
right? You start having prayer meetings. Lord, show us what you want us to do. You start looking at a mission. You adopt a mission. You pick a fight with something in the city. You go on mission doing that every other week on the off weeks. And then when things open back up, now you've got a team of leaders who knows how to do what needs to be done. But, but you're pouring into them because when it opens back up again, you're training them to be incarnational ministers, ministers that are up close and personal. Now, what that's going to do is that's going to free you up from the pastoral problems that you would normally have. Like, for example, um, I was telling a, a leader yesterday that I was a terrible pastor. I was a great apostle, terrible pastor, because when my people had pastoral issues, and I don't know if you remember this, Pete, and we've mentioned this on the podcast a million times. I, I remember you being a horrible pastor. Absolutely. I was a horrible pastor. And, and what, I would, what I would do is I would say, look, don't come to me with pastoral issues. Um, if, if you're not in a cog, I'm going to tell you, you need to get in a cog. And if you're in a cog, your pastoral problems are going to get worked out there and you're not going to need to come to me. So I would literally tell people, don't come to me if you're not in a cog with a pastoral issue. Because my first reaction Explain is to them be, again what a cog is. For cog is a missional know. community. It's, a, um, it's a, like a small group that goes on mission. So they call missional community. It's a fancier word. I know people. They're basically many churches, which is why I have all my leaders in them. Because eventually... They're going to multiply outward. So if you remember, Ruben's cog became a church plant. Uh, Mike Bonomo's cog became a um, drug and alcohol ministry, um, which would have eventually become a church plant. Um, Jimbo's cog became a core team. So my, my way of multiplying the church is eventually just to break off every single cog into another church plant, which um, I'll be starting a course up on the back end of the release of Church Plantology, which is available, by the way, if you want to go to Amazon.com, you can find Church Plantology. You can pre-order it now. Um, but anyways, that, that'll be a course that I'll add um, onto it because I don't spell all this out, how to multiply. In the final chapter, I've got like a kind of a paradigm shifting model of multiplication, but I don't really give you a course. And so I'm going to be starting a course on that. But, um, but anyways, all that to say, that's what you ought to be doing, is investing in your leadership, addressing the issue of what's going to be different, investing in your leadership to get things in place. For it. And then the third thing is, you need to be resting. And the fourth thing is, you need to be praying. If, if there was one thing that this time is for, it's not to hustle and to go for more activity, uh, more smoke. It's a time for more fire, right? It's a time for you to just... Grab those books that have been sitting on your nightstand. Um, grab, you know, go on an odyssey, like a pilgrimage. If that were the word that I were going to use, it would be go on a spiritual pilgrimage with God during this time. Go deeper, right? Don't try to go wider. Try to go deeper with God, right? Um, this is a time where, I, and, and funny enough, I was just chatting with um, Alan Hirsch a couple of weeks ago. And because he'll text me things like, um, you know, kind of every week he'll text me like, hey, I was reading this or what do you think about this? And he texted me, bro, America right now, the leaders in America need to be calling for prayer. Why are they not doing that? Like we're calling for everything else except for prayer. Why are we not calling for fasting and prayer in America? Um, this is crazy. Like we're in this. And, and to me, that's telling. That the thing that we're not doing is asking people to pray. 
Mm. Right. And I said this way back in the beginning, if you remember the beginning of the pandemic, why are we not talking about prayer? Why is there not a call right now to seek God? And at the end, and I say the end because I know we're not at the end, but it feels like things are tapering a little bit more. I know it'll all flare up again in the winter. It always, you know, it, it will. But at the, at, the, at the tapering of the stage one, I still haven't seen a massive call to prayer. It's still about the church. It's not about you. It's not even about God. The focus of leaders has been the church service, Right. And in some ways, that's how we kind of suckered you and roped you into this podcast today. The topic is what to do, you know, and you're automatically thinking, my church service, what do I do? And I'm sorry, but the focus should never be at our church service. There are other things that I believe God in this time has been trying to get us to focus on, and we're just simply not. And with that, I'm going to leave it there. Those are the four things that you should be doing. Mic drop. Boom! <laughs> so let me ask you a quick question, though. <clears throat> with all these things I should be doing, how do I get help with all my IRS compliance, payroll taxes, <clears throat> uh, website design, you know, all that stuff? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Pete. You see, there's a company called SimplifyChurch.com, and wait, it's wait, run. Wait. wait. Simplifychurch.com. That's right, okay. Pete. S I repeat S I M P L I F Y C H U R C H dot com dot C O M. Simplifychurch.com. And <laughs> they actually will help you simplify your church. And that's what we've been talking today about. About it's my dementia coming on, Pete. Say I can't even I can't even. So Go to SimplifiedChurch.com. They'll take care of your tax compliance issues. They'll take care of your bookkeeping needs. They'll take care of your payroll, even your budgeting. They'll help you with that. SimplifiedChurch.com. I love it. Well, hey, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music